I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking with former Senator Mike Gravel. So grab your direct democracy. And let's get civical. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Walentowski. And today we're sharing with you a very exciting interview that we did with former Senator of Alaska, Mike Gravel. Yes. Uh, It was so interesting to talk to him. It was great. I mean, it's... So smart. So smart. I really enjoyed our conversation. Like Lizzie said, he was the senator from Alaska from 1969 to 1981. Before that, he served as a member of the House of Representatives for Alaska from 63 to 67. He is also a former Democratic presidential nominee. 
and founder of the Democracy Foundation, and he's authored a new book called The Failure of Representative Government and the Solution, and he describes it as a manual for how to implement direct democracy in our fair United States. And so in this episode, we talk with him about the concept of direct democracy, how it's different from our representative democracy that we have right now. What he envisions for the implementation of direct democracy, his plan to implement that in the United States, and what it would look like in operation with our current structure of government, you know? And so we talk about the checks and balances that would exist, how a people's legislature would what kind of laws would come through them, how they would propose laws, how those laws would be passed and implemented, and what the role our current Congress would have in this new structure. So that's those are the topics we cover. And it was a really interesting conversation, and we hope you enjoy. Enjoy it, guys. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, now, uh, so this is a – we're doing – you're doing a podcast right now. Mm-hmm. And I invite yes. in the podcast. And, uh, and you want to talk about direct democracy and how to empower the people and all of that. So, um, uh, so if you've read synopsis or you read some of the book, mm-hmm. you have some questions uh, over the whole concepts involved. And, uh, and of course, what's very, very important that what I'm advocating, which is empowering the people to be able to make laws in the legislature of the people, that will only come about if the people want to make laws. So for them to want to make laws, they have to be aware of that there is a, a way for them to make laws. Hmm. So what I'm suggesting is a little bit out of the box. Everybody has solutions that are tied to, uh, to, to representative government. Well, representative government's a failure. You, all you, all you got to look around and you'll see the failure. And so if that's the case, then why not look for a solution outside of representative government? And of course, the pundits and the leaders, and whether progressives or liberal or conservative, they don't see that. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're, they're really myopically involved in concentrating on solutions within the context of representative government, mm-hmm. and that takes you nowhere. Now, mm-hmm. so that's, that's a preliminary to open it up for you to ask questions. Please, let's let's have a dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I I would love to kind of start off because, you know, this idea of direct democracy and how representative democracy is failing us and how you've gotten to this concept after being a part of representative democracy and sort of if you can speak on what your tenure as, you know, representative of uh, Alaska and then senator of Alaska, how that navigated you toward this concept of direct democracy? What, what it did was, uh, you know, like a lot of idealists, uh, I want to get elected to change the world. Well, I found out mm-hmm. that you can get elected, but you may not be able to change the world <laughs> for sure. So as a result of that, uh, I uh, when I was a senator, I was grappling with it. It, it just seemed that what we were doing was inadequate. And that we had to find a way to involve the people in a greater role. <clears throat> now, the only role that you can involve the people in uh, in government is as a lawmaker. You can't bring them into the executive. You can't bring them into the uh, to the judiciary. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are smaller entities. But you can bring them in to the operation of government. 
Uh, and, and so I was grappling with that then. Then when I left office, I was really quite disgusted with the inability to address the issues. You know, I was very controversial. You know, I released the Pentagon Papers, forced the end of the draft, brought about the Alaska Pipeline, just did a whole bunch of very controversial things, uh, trying to in, do the law of the sea. Uh, and, uh, and so I left office somewhat disgusted. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and I didn't want to get involved in politics. So for 10 years, I did nothing but just follow and read and study uh, the theories of governance. And about 10 years later, about 1990, uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks when I was in the shower. <laughs> the, answer, the answer is the people. It's not their leaders, it's the people. But how do you equip the people to be able to exercise leadership? Or, and the only way you can do that is for them to be able to exercise lawmaking. Uh, and through the issues in lawmaking, you now act, you can now uh, initiate the leadership. <clears throat> now, I had to figure out a way that I knew that the government didn't want to make a change uh, and that the people couldn't make a change. They didn't have the tools. They were left out of the Constitution. Article 7 of the Constitution is where the people should have been given procedures to participate in amending the Constitution and uh, part procedures to be able to make laws. But they were left out. The reason why they were left out was very sad, was to protect slavery. Hmm. And so I had to figure out how to overcome that problem of the lack of procedures. And so for 30 years, um, not only myself, but supporters who were also involved in this, we labored in to design a piece of legislation which was made up of a constitutional amendment and made up with a Legislative Procedures Act. Because if you just empower the people to make laws without setting up a deliberative process, it's anarchy. And so what you right. want to do is set up a deliberative process and yet uh, set this thing up in a constitutional amendment that would, uh, that would work. And so for 25, 30 years, we labored at that. I would go to various law schools and make speeches ex trying to explain how direct democracy would work. And in and, and, and all these years, nobody has really ever put a glove on it. It, uh, the, the plan that I have is unique, mm -hmm. uh, and yet it's straightforward. But it has complexity. Lawmaking is a complex process if it's going to be deliberative. And of course, the initiatives in the United States are not deliberative. Mm -hmm. uh, you qualify and then boom, you vote. That's not a way to make law. And so in developing this legislation over time, when you read the book, you have to appreciate that the creation of what's in the book took 25 to 30 years. And that was based upon a person who had 16 years of elective office, been in politics since he was 15, uh, and, uh, and was totally committed uh, to a, a process where people could participate. Yeah. So that's essentially where I came from with this and where I'm going. At 90 years old, I'm not going far, but, but you are. And uh, <laughs> it's true. If, if you really buy into this process mm -hmm. and 
truly understand what's involved, this is the answer to human governance. This is a change in the paradigm of human governance. And so if you want to be able to change fundamentally what's going on in our society, which is essentially failure at this point, then you have to bring the people in, empower them so that they can act deliberatively and intelligently. And they will. If you give people responsibility, they'll react responsible. If you don't give them responsibility, then they act as children. And of course, our system of representative government is designed to keep people in civic adolescence because you can't take responsibility yeah. give it to Joe or Charles on election night. Now, keep in mind that what's involved here is we are presently ruled by a minority, the elites who control our society. If we ever want to be uh, led by the majority, which is the people, we have to put in place uh, legislation uh, that, uh, that creates a legislature of the people. Yep. Lizzie, did that answer your question somewhat? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, that was great. Thank you. You know, Senator, one of the things that we endeavor to do with our show is to, you know, help educate our fellow Americans about the civic structures and the civic events that shape our country. And I think, you know, the idea of, I don't think people really understand sometimes the structure of a representative democracy and that it's not always know that there are other options. And so just to take a step back and explain to our listeners what the difference is, what you're what you're arguing for versus what's different about what we have now, just the difference of representative versus d- direct democracy. So we you know, we elect our representatives and our senators and they go to Washington DC to represent in theory our interests. But what, you know, how what is the difference between that and what you're, you know, working towards? And how, how, what is the structure through which people would participate in direct democracy? So if we have a Congress right now made up of two legislatures, how would that work with, with a, a you know, population of, of millions of, of voters? Yeah, first off, this can be done with a million people, a hundred million people, doesn't make any difference. The structure is such, now, the, the structure that we have with representative government is, is very straightforward. That is that you turn around on election day and you vote for a representative to represent your interest. Now, unfortunately, and the, this was the ideal when the founding fathers set up the structure, uh, but unfortunately, uh, they assumed that the representatives would be perfect human beings, you know, the best, mm-hmm. the best of the best. Well, that, of course, is not what happens in reality. What happens in reality, it takes money to get elected, to advertise yourself. So you have to raise the money. Now, you raise the money from the people who have it, and they're most gracious to give it to you. So once you get elected, you owe them your office, Mm -hmm. and they have control over you and also your future prospects of getting reelected. So now that's the failure of the, in the, the structure that was designed. So now we, in essentially what we have in the Constitution is a monopoly for Congress to make laws, mm-hmm. a monopoly. Now here's how it was done. In Article I uh, of the Constitution, uh, the people make laws. 
and within uh, that article, uh, Article five, uh, 5 of the Constitution, is how the government amends the Constitution, not how the people amend it. And there's no provision for the people to amend the Constitution, except taking recourse to the statements by uh, uh, James Madison at the convention in Philadelphia, when he was asked by uh, the, uh, the representative Carroll from uh, Maryland, and he was asking, how can we amend the Constitution when we already are members of the Confederation and the, uh, uh, the laws of the Confederation require that it must be unanimous if you're going to make any changes? Hmm. Well, since we're making a change, it's illegal. And so Madison says, well, of course, that's the problem uh, that, uh, that the people that we all have the same problem and we're all sworn as officers of the Confederation to uphold the Confederation. However, he said we could make a change. And he said, how? People just do it. It's called first principles. You just do it. Now, when we revolted from Great Britain and wrote the Constitution, the Independ Declaration of Independence, we just did it. Right. And that's, of course, yeah. ultimate power. So when you look at the problem that we face today in human governance, and we realize it's very inadequate, what's the solution? Well, the solution should be able, people should be able to just do it. This is what, this is how our country was founded. In Article 7, it says that when the conventions of, not the people, conventions of nine states ratify the Constitution, it becomes the law of those nine states, and they are no longer bound by the Articles of Confederation. Now, when, at the time, after nine states was ratified, keep in mind, I was written in 1787, was ratified in late uh, 1788, and then the administration began in 1789. Now, other states of the 13 joined uh, the nine that had ratified. And so that by the time of you got to 1889, almost all of the 13 states had ratified the Constitution. And so that establishes a new law. So that law is the Constitution written in Philadelphia. So that's, that's how we got the, the law into place. People mm -hmm. just did it. Now, there was opposition to that. But the reason why that opposition faded away is because they recognized that, uh, that the country was falling apart. Uh, in 1787, uh, the, the uh, Shays Rebellion. Oh, mm -hmm started in 87 and went into 88 while they were meeting in Philadelphia. And Shays Rebellion was very straightforward. It was a violent reaction to the excesses of power concentrated in Boston. Uh, and so they had gone through a revolution and they recognized that unless they made some fundamental changes to the structure of governance, they were facing another revolution. And the example was the operation of Shays Rebellion. So after the nine legislatures had ratified, the, the opposition just faded away. And, uh, and so that's how our government was created. It was the people 
acting uh, as sovereigns via conventions. Now today, we, can, we don't need to have conventions. We had the technology to ask all the Americans, do you want to become lawmakers and participate in your own governance? And of course the answer is, if the people vote in the uh, insufficient numbers to do that, mm-hmm. like what happened with the nine conventions, if the people, let's say, who voted in the last presidential election, the majority voted for the legislation to create a legislature of the people, it would become ratified by the people for the Constitutional Amendment and the enactment of the law, the Legislative Procedures Act. That's how it would come into being. It would be through a national election. Now, my problem at this point is that since this concept is a little bit out of the box, not entirely out of the box, because we're doing exactly what the constitutional framers did to create our government. We're just following that precedent in a clearer fashion, because we're asking the people directly. They didn't ask the people directly. In fact, they didn't want to get the people involved because they knew the people wouldn't buy into slavery. So they kept the people, and of course they knew if they had to go to the Confederation Congress, they wouldn't vote for it because they'd be dissolving their power. So they had to set up a process so that the people uh, were not involved, they were at arm's length. Plus the framers and founders felt that the people were not qualified to govern themselves. It had to be done by a cadre of leaders who knew better. Right. Of course, mean where that's taken us in the last 200 <laughs> years. Yep. So that's the dynamic of how this would come into being. So our task is your task. I've already done what I'm supposed to do. Your task is now to persuade people to think in terms of getting involved in government mm-hmm. and for them to realize that the only area that they can get involved in government is as lawmakers. But, but that's the most important part of government, not the judiciary, not the executive, it's who makes the law, because we are governed by the law. And so if, so the people now can come in as lawmakers uh, and make laws and govern themselves. And that's the dynamic that we have to be involved with. And so your task is one, to go out and, and get people to buy the book, read the book, discuss the book, so that you can get the feel of it. And mm-hmm. then, then as a result of that, when, when there's several millions of people that understand that they can be empowered to make laws by voting for legislation, then we offer the legislation, which is, which is codified in the book. It's the, it's the Constitutional Amendment and the Legislative Procedures Act. And, and, and so the amendment is very important because the, the, uh, the, the judiciary of representative government cannot touch this process. We come together in a national election uh, and, and that is under the First Amendment, not the article, the First Amendment. It says we, we the people uh, can gather together uh, and assemble. Well, what is an election? It's an assembly of people making a decision. And so we have that right under the First Amendment to the Constitution. Then once we exercise that right and begin to get people to vote uh, for this process, it's no different 
than the nine uh, constitutional uh, nine conventions voting for the ratification uh, of the Philadelphia II uh, Constitution. So we're doing exactly the same thing. We're asking people to vote in a national election to ratify the Constitution, but more importantly, to equip themselves with procedures to, to, to legislate in a very deliberative fashion. That's the dynamic of what's going on. And so if we can inform the people, get them to understand this, I think the people will just go for it big time because they know that the way we're governing ourselves right now is a failure. Yeah. A failure. And, the, and the failure is gonna destroy our planet. The first one is with a nuclear accident, which I think is the most egregious thing going on. And then the second one uh, is, uh, is with our destruction of the planet, environmental destruction. So either case, in the next 100 years, we, we, our planet would be non-existent. And so that's why the people have to take over control of, of the government as legislators. Now keep in mind, you got the Democrats that control the House and the Republicans control the Senate. And yet you see a, 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 an, an appropriation that was passed this last uh, March, uh, April, uh, where we appropriate uh, money uh, on the order of $780 billion for further nuclear devices, more military. We, we, see, we see where we get a report from Afghanistan that our military leaders have lied to us about the successes that exist in Afghanistan militarily. They lied to us. Since they lied to us, we all know they lied to us, then why do we keep appropriating money for the war in Afghanistan, in Syria, in Libya, uh, and Iraq. It, it's appalling. And this is done by Democrats and Republicans. Mm -hmm. But here, we've, th th did you hear anybody in the course of the presidential debates uh, talk about the whole nuclear problem that we have? Of course not. Mm -hmm. Did you hear anybody talk about the excessive appropriations that go on to, to feed a military that is bloated? Uh, and and uh, and out of control. You didn't hear anything about it in the debates about that. Maybe Bernie a little bit, but primarily Tulsi Gabbard. And so the military-industrial complex just just pushed her aside. So that's what we face today. Uh, and so when you have the pundits saying, "Oh, we got to got to make changes in representative government," they're talking or within the context of representative. They're not talking about making any changes. Sure, suppose that we pass. Uh, single-payer health care. We have, that's wonderful. We should have it. And uh, then what happens after that? we got to fight another 30 years to make the next fundamental policy change. When if we equip the people to make laws, they can make policy changes 52 times a year. Because that's the amount of time it takes to, to enact a piece of legislation. You vote for it over a week's period. And so if you can, if you have a week to vote on a piece of legislation, that means you can only have 52 pieces of legislation in a year. And it's purposefully limiting the situation because we don't want people to go crazy. The, the end result would be a people that would be knowledgeable, they'd be experienced because they would take responsibility for their actions. And, and as a result of that, they would set policy and the implementation of the policy would be done 
by representatives in government. So it's a win-win. The people set the policy and the representatives execute the policy of the people rather than today they execute the policy of the 1% who control our society. That help a little bit? Yeah, <laughs> thank you. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. I'm curious how would the system that we have right now of this, you know, quote unquote, checks and balances still work in this, in the direct democracy model? Would we still have the executive with a veto and the judiciary over here kind of overseeing any, um, you know, constitutional violations? Or would that also, those uh, entities also change within this form of direct, direct democracy? Question. No, they won't change. But understand one thing, when you have the Republicans controlling the House and the Senate and the executive, as they did recently, you got no checks and balances. Yeah. Because the check and balance is that if you got a Congress that acts one way and a judiciary the other way, and it's, and it's defined by the, by the judiciary, uh, there's no check and balance. So what will it happen once the people can make laws now, the people will make laws independent of representative government, not controlled by representative government. In the initiative states that we see today, it's controlled by representatives because then they pass the laws to govern how the election, uh, how the people will legislate. That's not the way this happens. When the people vote for the initiative, for the legislature of the people, all the procedures and processes are there. They're not enacted by representative government. They're enacted initially by the people in this national election that I was talking about. Now, uh, so one of the unique features of this is that the judiciary would be the one that would determine if 
the legislation passed by the people is constitutional. If it's not constitutional, it would declare it unconstitutional. They would still do that. The uh, legislature in Congress would still be able to enact laws. Uh, now, they would be much more circumspect because they'd have the people over here also enacting laws. Now, what's the most important dynamic to really comprehend this is that once the people are able to make laws and amend the Constitution, they become the senior partners of government because the people are sovereign. Now, how is it that they're sovereign? They're sovereign because they're born as human beings. That's, uh, it's, it's the birth that makes you sovereign. And, and through childhood and adulthood, uh, you're guided by your parents and surrogates. Uh, and then when you're an adult, you can then make laws. Uh, and if the judiciary is unfair in determining what the laws say, the people can turn around and pass a constitutional amendment doing away with the judiciary. Oh, that's pretty serious stuff. <laughs> that's serious. <laughs> Congress kept changing the laws that the people passed or the policies then the, the people could turn around and pass a constitutional amendment doing away with the Congress. So, but, but the Congress cannot do away with the legislative power of the people because that's based upon their sovereignty. And, and as was Richard Parker of uh, Harvard stated so well, there is no power superior to the people. When you understand that, now the question becomes, how do we exercise that power of the people unless we have procedures and we don't have those procedures? And that's what I've put before you is the ability to have these procedures put in place so that you can exercise your sovereign power individually and collectively. So, so the idea is that though the, the voting power of the people exists simultaneously with the power of Congress. It's not that the people replace the legislative power of the Congress. They work in tandem. And, and they could replace them if they were unreasonable. But what the dynamic of what happens is that the minute become, the people become legislators, the elected officials will conduct themselves totally different. You know, there won't be all this deal of uh, I'm voting because I want to keep myself in power. No. They'll be guided by the policies set up by the government, by the people to exercise those policies because that's what the people have dictated they want done, hmm. not the elites who have dictated what they want done. So you, you begin to see that it's an operation of a win-win. The people who are elected to Congress will have a better opportunity to cut out the demagoguery and to focus on implementing the wishes of the people. And the people will be able to express those wishes in law by enacting laws under the power they will have as sovereigns. You see the, how that dynamic will evolve uh, and would have better government. And then we could, and this dynamic could, as in chapter six, you see mm -hmm. that this dynamic could turn around and be used globally so that we could, as, as a, a, a human race, empower the people to make laws 
rather than just defer to the tyrants and dictators uh, who presently run the world today. So if if Congress is still uh, in existence simultaneously along with the you know the the legislature of the people, Congress is writing and drafting the laws as they currently would. Who where are the bills coming from on the people side? Who's how are they get how are they coming to a piece of legislation that they could vote on? And what are the different types of things that each body would handle? So if, I mean I I think the most I know this isn't your your model, but I think in Currently, in most people's minds, a direct democracy, I think people think about Brexit, right? Which is like a, an overarching large question. And that's not your model. I totally understand that. But I think when, when people are talking about making, you know, an entire country having a, a say on a piece of legislation or, or an act of some kind, that might be the most analogous or the, the thing that they most immediately think of. So, what kinds of things would each body tackle and who would come up with the who would draft the legislation that then the people would vote on okay excellent question uh first off uh you've got to appreciate that the congress in its operation has a an entity within the congress in the house it's called the doorman in the senate it's called the, the secretary of the senate they do the housekeeping work of the congress meaning printing the bills, sweeping the floor, uh, responding to parliamentary questions, research and all of that. That's done for the elected officials. The same thing occurs uh, with respect to a legislature of the people. Because in the Constitution, the, the first element is asserting our sovereignty. Second is, uh, is, uh, is asserting the legality of the legislation that people voted on to bring it about. And then third is the creation of a citizen's trust. The citizen's trust is made up of professionals who will then do all of the uh, homework that's, that needs to be done to make laws. So when the three of us introduce a piece of legislation, let's say for single payer, we would get on the telephone and we'd call the citizen's trust. They would have a staff in, in offices around the country, like the Federal Reserve. We'd call up on the telephone and say, look, at, the three of us would like to draft legislation for single-payer health care, and that's complicated. Would you uh, dispatch a, 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 an attorney or a group of attorneys to go ahead and write this legislation, show it to us, and if we approve it, then that legislation is qualified. That's the first step. So once we approve what they've drafted, uh, which it could be very complex, uh, then, then it has to be uh, qualified by the people. And how do you do that? We take a poll, and when 40% of the people decide that they want to deal with the subject, not that they're gonna vote for or against, they just wanna deal with the subject. Right. So, when 40% of the people in the polls say that, then the legislation is qualified. Now, as sponsors, we have to pay for the poll. Nationally, that would be about uh, $35,000. Uh, similarly, same thing for a state level. So these are the steps, and this is what's important. Now, we have the legislation that we believe in, that we want people to vote for. So the first thing we do is like what happens in Congress. 
the Congress has a hearing on the subject. So the legislative trust appoints a hearing officer mm -hmm. to conduct a hearing with us uh, as sponsors on the subject nationally. Now, this is going to take new technology so that the people nationally can have an input into this hearing. So we develop a hearing record. After the hearing record, you do what you have in Congress. It is submitted to a subcommittee. So we create a deliberative committee process, meaning a pool of people nationally from every state, from every community, representative, so that what they do is after they take the hearing record, they sit into a, a committee process and then they deliberate. They can get more special uh, experts to give them advice. Mm -hmm. And then they turn around and they deliberate. And after the deliberation, they take a vote. And they can vote to change it as long as it keeps the message of vision of what the legislation is about. And then after that, they vote. And then the Electoral the Citizens Trust sends the legislation to the body, relative body of representative government, which in this case, national be Congress. So the Congress gets the hearing record. The Congress gets the deliberative uh, discussions and final vote of the deliberative body. And then the Congress has 90 days to vote on it in an advisory capacity, not in the final capacity. The reason why we did this is because representatives spend a lot of time on subject matter. Mm -hmm. They don't always vote right because they vote where the money comes from. Mm -hmm. But if you remove that problem, then what happens is uh, they will then uh, you know, make the right decisions advising you, the constituents, that this is the way they would vote if they were if had the full power. And so that's an advisory vote. It's, and the reason why we do that is we live our life on cues, C-U-E. What's a cue? Here, I'm drinking coffee. How do I know that this coffee is safe and not poisonous? Well, because I know the government's regulating it, uh, and uh, likely it's not, it won't be poisonous. So that's called a cue. When I drink this, a frappuccino, that, that's the company. Now, so if they're gonna poison me, we're gonna know who did this, and, and they're gonna they're suffer the consequences and the liabilities. That's called a cue, C-U-E. And we live our lives on cues. So when you watch how a friend of yours who's in the Congress votes for something, you say, oh, I, I trust him. I won't bother reading the legislation. I'll just vote because he gave me a cue as the way to do it. So we live our lives on cues and to capitalize on the greatest cue of all is our elected officials in Congress. They can give us their advice. Right. Then after we have that, the electoral trust uh, sets up a schedule uh, for the voting of on the legislation, our legislation. Uh, and your legislation. And so what we have is one week long, seven days, 24 hours a day, we can vote from wherever we are in the world and we can vote electronically for one of the pieces of legislation uh, at the federal level, a piece at the state level and at the local level, all on the same vote. Mm. And so now you begin to see that what's happened 
it limits the amount of policy questions that can be dealt with to 52 a year at the federal, 52 a year at the state, and 52 a year at the local. And, and you say, well, why that limitation? Well, we don't need to just flood everything with a, a thousand laws like we have in Congress. Three or four thousand pieces of legislation. No, we need to have legislation that was already limited. Remember, we had a vote where 40% of the people had to agree to even want to consider the legislation. Now that's a limitation. So if you don't get it within that 40%, we're not gonna deal with your legislation. That means there's not enough people interested in that. That's reasonable. And then at the end of the exercise, uh, if you turn around and you can go to chapter, I think it's chapter six, five or six, uh, and there's a whole list of possible legislation, both for constitutional amendment and for legislative, uh, legislative uh, matters. And you'll see that it's tough to come up to 52 uh, constitutional amendments and 52 laws, because as the people make more law, there'll be less need to make more law. Now, what happens with politicians is that they gotta look like heroes. So when a problem comes, uh, comes in, and they see it, well, let's pass another law, and another law, and another law. And before you know it, you're overwhelmed with all of this bureaucracy and laws, and, and it becomes very ineffective. Mm -hmm. And so this is a way to set up a process that's more thoughtful, uh, and like I say, you'll have, now, when, when we qualify a piece of legislation, immediately the Electoral Trust sets up a website for every single piece of legislation. Mm -hmm. That website will report on and bring the information about the uh, hearing, about the deliberations, about the advisory votes, about uh, the economic impact, the social impact, the whatever impact that legislation will have. All of that is on a continuous basis on the website of our legislation. And so and that website will stay open all the way to the end and then it's there of record. So that if later on the judiciary wants to analyze what really happened in the legislative process, all they gotta do is go to that website and look at what happened and they'll be able to define more accurately the intent of the people in question. That's the dynamic of making legend. So the people would legislate independent of representative government. Representative government will continue to legislate as it presently does but it will be sanctioned or constrained by the fact that the people are automatically the senior partners. So if the, uh, the Congress put forth legislation that the people didn't like, we would put in an amendment to that and it would be voted on in the people's legislature and it would do away with the, uh, the, in, the, the, the legislation that was passed by the Congress and that would be superior. And that goes back to the point I was making. <clears throat> if the executive did not uh, act in properly and fairly in the execution of the law, the executive could be done away with by an amendment to the Constitution that the people could initiate. Hmm. Well, that's the dynamic of the legislative process. It's a partnership of a win-win situation. Uh, and, and it would be absolutely fulfilling to a 
a greater degree of human governance. What we're talking about is in our hands, we're asking the people to take up the issue of human governance, changing the paradigm where representatives have a monopoly to creating a partnership with the people, but with the people in the ascendance since they are the sovereigns. The governor is not the sovereign. The government is a representation of the sovereigns. Right. The sovereigns can deal directly. And so you would have a situation where the sovereigns legislate independently and the others legislate independently. But, but this legislation, legislation by the Congress is dependent upon the election by the people. You see the, begin to see the interplay and the dynamic that would take place. And that's the, the reason why it's so difficult to get people to understand because basically most Americans don't understand how legislation works. Right. It's, the, the joke yeah. is you can't watch hot dogs or, or legislation being made. Right. Uh, it's revolting. Yeah. Um, do you, it sounds to me, and maybe this is just me game playing out the long term, you know, what could happen in the long term is do you do you foresee then the people's legislature like passing an amendment that would do away with the Congress so that it's just the 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 people, the, you know, the people in the legislative body on the whole passing laws and, and acting as the sole legislature for the United States? I think that's possible, but I don't think initially very likely mm. because you have a great deal of experience uh, legislatively with representative government. Not all good, not all bad. So it would be, uh, it would be in my mind, excessive to throw it out. And a lot of people say, oh, if it's good, let's just do it all right now. No, why not, why not take advantage of the experiences we have over 230 years right. uh, and meld it together with the people? And as you notice, I kept saying that the people would set policy. That policy is, uh, is here. Uh, we, we have to disarm ourselves and work to disarming all people in the world uh, over the ability to make war at a national level. Okay? That's policy. Now, the implementation of that policy would be done by the executive in our foreign policy. So that's the dynamic of I envision the way it would work. Now, I could be wrong. You know, there's unintended consequences. Uh, I forced the end of the draft the military draft and the unintended consequence is that the warmongers hired uh mercenaries yeah. to fight iraq and to fight in afghanistan and so all you can do is set up a process whereby when the people make a mistake that they will have the tools to correct the mistake mm -hmm. and that's what this dynamic has that the people if they make a mistake they can put in another uh, piece of legislation to correct that mistake. If the Congress makes a mistake, the people can vote to correct that mistake. So it's a dynamic that would play itself out. I have, uh, and I think that for people to vote for this, they have to have unreserved faith in the people. And, uh, and you don't have any choice. Those are the only people on the planet that, have, that are sentient. So uh, you have no choice but to, but to defer to that. And, and also, it's, a, it's a, a faith in yourself. When the people, here's what the, 
you know, 1% will try to do that. They'll try to say, well, you're not smart enough to vote for policies. Uh, you have to vote for representatives, of course, who will then manipulate the election and tell you to what you want to hear to get elected. Uh, and then we'll receive money from, from the elites to, to satisfy the interest of the elites. That's the dynamic of what's going on. It's human governance. And you have to have faith. I have faith that you two can make laws just as well as any member of Congress. Why, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> and we are the highest compliment. <laughs> and you're, you're knowledgeable. That, that's the dynamic of it. And that's the dynamic of the legislation I put forward. In other words, when, when I say that every piece of legislation is going to have a website with all of the information relative to the enactment of that legislation, there's nothing like that in the world today. There's nothing like that uh, in the Congress. And yet, this it's, it's a straightforward dynamic. If, if you want to find out what's going on with the legislation, you just get on your, uh, your computer and look at the website. You can read anything what's going on. Now, that... That, that is an informed public. You don't have that now. The people yes. aren't informed as to what legislation. You know, the members of Congress aren't even informed. You know, it's given <laughs> that 90% that, that of the legislation that members of Congress vote on, they don't know what it is. They don't know what's in it because it's a subcommittee system. The legislation right. referred to a subcommittee. The subcommittee does the hearings, does the markup, and they bring it to the floor of the full full body. So who did their work? It's the subcommittee that did it, not the total body. And so that's, that's, the, that's the way we are structured in representative government. And, and we, will we will follow that structure in the legislature of the people. The difference is that you don't have the party system. You don't have the, the, the desire to have power because that's what motivates the parties in Congress got to have power. And that's what it's all about. Not solving problems, but have power. That's not the dynamic of what takes place with the people when they vote on legislation. They're not going to be empowered by it. They're going to have improved human governance. Big difference. Yeah. So that's dynamic. But let me put it back on your shoulders. Uh, the two of you now have become more expert in this issue. And I'd be happy you can call me on a telephone uh, and you have any questions in the future. But, but what's, what's important is that it's you. My hope is that the millenniums, the, the, ex, the, the generation will rise up and understand that they are the power to make the change. Not the leaders. The leaders have already empowered themselves by controlling the government and society religion, culture, you name it, they control it all to satisfy their selfish ends. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the people enacting laws, enacting policies to improve the quality of life that they enjoy as human beings. That's the dynamic of what's going on. And so at my age, at 90 years old, how many years do I have left? Not that many. So it's up to you. It's up to you to spend your lives educating other people to read the book. The book at the uh, back side of it, it says very clearly, a manual to create and operate a legislature of the people. 
Emmanuel. It's all here. Yeah. In here. And it's not long. It's a little over 100 pages. And, and it's designed to read several times, argue it, discuss it. <clears throat> and if we can get 20 to 30 million people that understand this, then we can begin the election to enact it. That's the dynamic what happened. First, we have to have people understand. There's no point in going to an election right now when most of the people don't, don't understand this. They need to understand, discuss it, bring it to bring it home, and and then vote on. Yeah. And then once it happens, it will be the law of the land, and we will have changed the nature of human governance. Isn't that an exciting opportunity? <laughs> Absolutely. <For> sure. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, definitely sounds appealing. That's for sure. It's in your hand. Yeah, don't look at me. I've done my work. You're like, I'm done. <laughs> you, Arden and Lizzie, it's up to you. Any other questions? Sure. I think I think that's it for, for me right now. And we're coming up to the end of our hour. So I just want to take this opportunity to thank you for talking to us about this. And I just want to tell our listeners to go check out. I'm assuming it's available the book is available everywhere uh, at this point. Primarily, I'd like them to go to uh, mikegravel.com. Mm. And so that's what, so invite your your friends, your people in your backup to go to mikegravel.com. And you'll see on the right-hand side, you can you can spend uh, almost $4 for a ebook uh, or $13 for a softback book. So, Please uh, do it that way, uh, and then uh, and then as we as we get more resources, we'll promote the book more, and uh, and so we'll just build. We'll build. This won't be done in a day, but but we could if, if we could get this concept to go viral. It's Katie bar the door. <laughs> we so that so here again. I lay it back on you. I've done my work. You got to do yours. Well, thank you, Senator. I think uh, if ever there was a time where there would be a reception for this kind of a concept, it's definitely now. <laughs> I think so, too. I think so, too. I, I'm so grateful to have lived long enough to see the opportunity before us uh, and, and recognize that it must be undertaken by people like you who will exercise their judgment to promulgate this opportunity. Again, all I can do is thank you. Thanks. If you need more information, don't hesitate to call me. Okay. I'll be responsive to any questions you have. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Senator, thank you thank so you, much. We really appreciate your time and your and your insight and your knowledge. Um, I thank you. I thank, thank you. you sir. So grateful for your participation. Let's hope. Okay. Yes. Yes. Let's hope. <laughs> bye bye. All right, bye, bye Senator. Senator.